0: I'll be stepping, stepping good, stepping good Charlie, I'll be stepping good Butting, butting good, butting good Charlie, when I'm stepping good I'll be step good and I step better You say boo and I say never You stay cool and I'm hot pepper Welcome Pewter Report readers, <laughs> listeners, and <laughs> viewers <laughs> To another edition of the <laughs> Pewter Report podcast Energized by like Celsius I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com With me today on the show to break down all things Bucks to look ahead into the future with our what are they called? Like they're the the glass movies. What are they called? Looking glasses? I don't know what they're anyway. We're our our crystal ball. That's what it is. Our crystal ball to see which Bucks players are going to be most productive this season (laughs) is WDAE Zach Blobner. Zach, I am pumped to have you on the show. We've been boys for a while. But somehow you haven't been on the show with me, I don't think, until now.
1: It's because you've been using your looking glasses when you should have been using your crystal ball. That's been the problem, bro.
0: Did I really say looking glass? I had no idea what I was searching (laughs) for there. I was completely lost. I knew what I was picturing. I was picturing like a Lord of the Rings... You know, Saruman standing in front of you know that type of moment.
2: That
1: is, that's not even looking glass. They're just you're no, coming I know. Up with it's
0: it. It. it's the crystal ball. He was looking at the crystal ball and whatever and telling the future of Middle Earth. That's what I was thinking of.
1: I, I'm always down for a Lord of the Rings reference. Um, you know, we got the fellowship of the Bucks reporters going right now, so I'm all about Ooh, it. Oh,
0: I like it. That's pretty good. All right, I see what you're doing. Coming on the show, dealing heat right away. I enjoy it. Zach Bobner, ladies and gentlemen, WDAE's finest. And uh, representing, and we are, we're pumped about the part we were just talking before we went on air. We've got that partnership locked in, Pewter Report, WDAE for this season. So you'll hear Pewter People a lot on WDAE uh, this year, which is going to be fun, even more than usual, I think. And then you'll hear people from 620 WDAE on the Pewter Report podcast as well a couple times a month. So it's going to be the best of both worlds, and it's going to be a fun buck season to have it that way.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I know at least for the Ronnie and T crash show, we've got Scott Reynolds every Monday. We've got you and your usual spot every Wednesday with us. Uh, and then Matt Matera is going to get into the rotation a little bit this year. He's going to be joining us on yeah. Friday. And I think Scott and Matt flip with the afternoon show, uh, Ian and Jay Monday and Friday. So when Scott's That'll on with great. us, Matt will be on with them, vice versa. And then, uh, we, we're very selfish about you on Wednesdays. We don't let you flip with anybody. We're like Ledger's hours. <laughs> Stay That's away.
0: Right. Just Wednesday. That's right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about it. It's been a lot of fun, and it'll continue to be a lot of fun, largely because this Bucks team, there's just so much to talk about, Zach. It's hard to run out of storylines right now because you turn your head and you're like, oh, man, we haven't talked about this super talented player in a couple of weeks because there's just a lot of them to talk about. It's that kind of an offseason. We've had a blast with it. I know you all have had a blast with it as well. And now here we are, 14 days from now, the Bucks will be ready to kick it off at home at Raymond James Stadium against the Dallas Cowboys to open up the entire 2021 season. It will be a day that Bucks fans remember for a long time, hopefully for the way, not just the way it starts, but also the way that the game ends at the end of that night with a victory, you would hope. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about before we get to that point. Before we jump into our topics for today, which are going to revolve a lot around looking into the future, something that you and I are, we have mixed results at, I guess. Uh, We are going to talk about our friends over at Celsius. If you don't know, get the sparkling Fuji apple pear is moving up my rankings. This is one I don't talk about enough. So good, dude. Celsius, live fit. It's healthy energy. It accelerates metabolism. It burns body fat. There's no sugar in these things. There's a ton of different flavors. The flavors are amazing. Look at people in the chat. If you don't believe me, they'll drop their favorite flavors for y'all because they know that Celsius is where it's at. Uh, it has changed the game for a lot of people. Um, we had our boy, Mark Fisher, sent us an email today, one of our faithful listeners, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, I have told my class about it. Now we've got everybody drinking Celsius in the classroom, and we love it. I mean, that's the, what we want to be about. I know that's what Celsius wants to be about as well. So get the energy without a drop-off at Celsius.com. Go and use the store locator to figure out where you can get Celsius near you. Uh, or click the banner ads over at PeterReport.com, uh, and you can also get some Celsius that way. The other great way is to go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save option. That's what Scott just did, and you're getting a subscription. You're saving every time, and it's coming regularly to you. So as soon as you run out of it, boom, you've got more at your door. That's the way to do it with Celsius.com. All right, Zach, you and I have had this kind of fun debate. It's 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 waded into Twitter a little bit. It's. Barely, though. Most of it's been you and I behind the scenes trading barbs, talking and joking around about who actually is the Buck's best wide receiver right now. The fan base is also up in arms about this. I think you'll find dissension in the chat as I even say this. You know, fans, everybody listen and watch them. Feel free to throw in who you believe uh, the, the best Bucks receiver is this season. But I want to first clarify, Zach, that in some cases, maybe not for you. The best Bucs receiver may not be the most productive Bucs receiver in 2021, even if we disagree about where both of those categories, we can agree that they won't necessarily be the same person, right?
1: Yeah, I like to think of it as we're like the Bucks parents, and we love all of our receiver children, but we have favorites, right? We have our favorite child. We have our favorite receiver. And I, I mean, the one thing we will agree on is that that room is just stacked from top to bottom, whether you're talking about the one, the two, the three, the four, the five, the six, even the seven, eight, honestly, like it's just a great receiving room. And, you know, Bucks fans are just so fortunate, and as is the coaching staff, to be able to be arguing about which wide receiver one out of the top three guys is the best wide receiver. That's to right.
0: Watch. Toby says, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin are the best wide receiver stank uh stank thinks scotty miller's receiver one still so he's still on that train he might be the only vote for yeah it's scotty miller he might be the only vote for scotty i don't even think right. scotty's
1: voting for scotty these days
0: you know i did not expect ab to be leading the votes in this ch- i thought mike evans would lead it by far we've got aV a lot of ab responses so far um but yeah no it's it is you're right uh it is definitely that situation right like we can't even do the one-to-one comparison thing that much. Like these guys are different. They have different skill sets. If you wanted a different a certain route run or something done on a play, you might ask a different one to do it because there might be areas in which all three are kind of better. One's better than the other in all those areas. So there's a lot to unpack when we talk about who the best one will be. You still are very partial to Mike Evans and his impact on the field as someone who's watched Evans' career here kind of unfold. And seeing how he's even gotten better uh, in certain years, you know, and Mm -hmm. and even as he got further down in his career, started off extremely productive, but that really hasn't fallen off at all. Some guys will start hot like that, and then it will fall off the consistency with which he's been able to play at is pretty remarkable at this point in his career, Zach.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And and regardless of who's throwing him the ball, he always finds a way to make an impact. You know, we talk about how loaded not just the receiving room is, but this offense is in general with all the different weapons from running backs to tight ends to that receiving room. And then you got to think about the fact that Mike Evans still somehow got over 100 targets last year, right? Like he was still just getting looked at left and right from Brady, and he led the team in pretty much every catching category. Ironically, he was behind some of these other guys, whether you're talking about Godwin or AB or even Scotty Miller in his catch percentage. So he didn't catch the ball as often, but he still led the team in all those stats. So I can only try to imagine what his stat line would have looked like if he actually held on to the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, the one thing I'll always say, John, and we talk about the analytics a lot and the things that go behind the scenes. One thing that you can't argue with is the height, is the size. Mm-hmm. And Mike Evans is a guy that. He's just bluntly bigger than a Chris Godwin or an Antonio Brown. So, you know, if you're in a tight situation and and you've got elite coverage, he can go up and beat that elite coverage regardless, just because he's bigger.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the one thing that's made him. I mean, the red zone has just been a place where he's been deadly. Sometimes it isn't about as much as uh, of contested catches in the red zone as it is just the space is condensed. So when you have a guy that creates the space with his size, right? Like he's literally creating space, like for to get to balls that other guys can sometimes just being able to throw into those condensed spaces with a guy with his kind of wingspan is just a huge advantage, you know, just physically the way he's built. um, It's, it makes a huge difference. You know, I'll still say getting, being able to create separation is the number one key in any area of the field, especially the red zone. And Evan's ability to do that too, I think is really understood to me. He is, such a better route runner than people give him credit for. Everybody acts like he is this big contested catch receiver. And I just really disagree with that narrative. Not that he isn't big or isn't a contested catch receiver. He can do those things certainly. But to me, Evans is at his best because he creates space at his size. Like that's what makes him unique. We've seen lots of big guys, you know, contested catch guys come and go. And you know, how many of those guys have there been over the course of the league and their production will really just kind of go up and down, up and down. To me, the reason Evans is so consistent is that he's always open. You know, that's he doesn't get enough credit for being open all the time. People act like he's not really that athletic or able to break routes off. And no, like he is. And that's what makes him different than other big, long receivers that mostly win vertically is that he can actually create speed, space and separation with his route running and his speed. That's not like a lot of these other big guys who are just going out and win and jump balls every year.
1: Well, plus we love to focus on which, you know, cornerback one, uh, quote unquote, from the opposing team is shadowing which receiver, right? Like mm-hmm. the opposing defenses and defensive coordinators, they scheme it so that Mike Evans is constantly getting that blanket coverage or constantly getting, you know, their best uh, guy in the secondary to, to, to shadow him and watch him. Assuming you have a cornerback that's comfortable going side to side and doesn't just pick one side of the field and say, I'm not moving from here. Mm-hmm. So I think that the respect uh, that you see from his opponents is also what kind of shows you just how good he's been, and and not to say that like again certain other receivers aren't better at other things, but I think Mike's just the total package. And then when you do get him on paper and you're comparing, the size is just something that you can't compare. I, I'll keep continue to go back mm-hmm. to that.
0: Yeah, it does make a big difference, and I also think that that I'm going to get to the size in a second actually because there's a it's kind of a point of contention with Chris Godwin's game, but also not really. But I want to come back to that because. Evans' production has taken place so heavily in the vertical planes of the field. That is one thing that makes his seven straight 1,000 yard seasons mind boggling to me because he does not get manufactured touches. Like, no, even the best receivers in the league get some touches that are just like kind of like easy touches. What can you do with the ball in your hands? Mike Evans, and this is a a negative for him, but a positive when you look overall at what he's been able to do in his career. He has never been a get the ball in his hands, create offense, create yardage with the ball in your hands type of guy. That's a negative part of his game skill set that needs to be compared to other people maybe. But the fact that he's been able to be productive like he has for seven straight years without any easy touches, without anything like, he has to get open all the time. He has to get open in the hardest, lowest degree of difficulty plane of the field And still be productive at a level that we've never seen anybody be productive at. That is bonkers to me. Like I don't think people realize how hard it is to do what Evans has done in terms of. He may not be the most well-rounded. He's certainly not the most well-rounded receiver on the box. But when you talk about what he's been able to do, and I know he gets a lot of volume, and that that's part of it. But what he's been there's a reason he gets that that
1: volume though, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. that's part of it. And and the other thing too, like just from more of a of a less serious pivot point of the whole conversation john and you've watched enough of his tape i don't know if anybody's better at drawing uh pass interference or, or, mm-hmm. or i should say using pass interference to his advantage whether he's drawing it or pushing off and listen bucks fans for a long time now i've watched this guy and there are games where it gets frustrating especially early in his career where you're like mike why are you pushing off these little guys that like can't compete with you anyways but it's something that like, he's really mastered, I think, more than a lot of the elite receivers. Now, the frustrating part, I guess you could argue, is that he doesn't need to use it, but it is another tool that he keeps in his bag. And more often than not, he gets that call, especially now that he's got Brady throwing it to him. It's amazing. If
0: Mike Evans had been on national TV more in his career before this season, more people would be on board the Wow, Mike Evans is a little bit of a theatrical, I wouldn't say flopper because he's not a flopper. But if you grab him, he will set like he knows how to make it look great. Like he does. And that's an art, and that's what you have to do. You know, A B that it's funny that this even comes up now that I'm thinking about it. I've never thought about before. A B has always been terrible at like selling a call. Like he never sells a call. Like he just doesn't sell calls. Like, not that he's ever needed to, obviously, he's monster everything else, right? But he's never really sold it. Like, there's been times from like Come on, he's taking liberties with you. Like he's, he has to do illegal stuff to stop you, but he never does anything. Like he never says anything. He never makes a big deal out of it. He never falls down or stumbles. Or, I mean, so part of it's strength and balance. He's always been elite at that. But Evans just like, he is so theatrical on the field. Like his body language and everything, he knows how to get, I mean, what five or six penalties in the Super Bowl. I mean, that changed the entire game. And a lot of, I mean, they were legit penalties, most of them but yeah. he makes sure officials see him. Like if you grab him, he's going to make sure you're not going to get rewarded for breaking the rules on him. And so, yeah, that is a big part of his game. It's interesting. Josh brings up a great point here. Godwin's versatility takes it for me. And that's where I say the discussion takes on levels because you and I have gone back and forth on this. You think Mike Evans, is the best receiver on the bucks team. While I see your point, certainly because I've just gone on and on about how Evans is amazing. I give Godwin an edge just because I think there's more value in the fact that he can do, more things like I think he can do what Evans can do before or easier than Evans could do what Godwin could do but then you get into the value of who who does what is what one does more valuable than the other and the one thing I can't prove about Chris Godwin is the ability to meet number one
1: corners I can't prove that because he doesn't face them and and I love Chris Godwin I do I do I'm a big fan but I don't know how you could watch and I know there's a lot of injuries and there's a lot of other things and not that he still didn't have big catches in some really good games I don't know how you couldn't look at his season last year, though, and say that – I mean, he took a step back. He did. And there's definitely a lot more question marks heading into this season than we ever thought – there would be, not that there's a ton, but there's more than we thought there would be surrounding a guy in Chris Godwin who honestly has to have a bounce back year. Now everything is working in his favor to do so, but he had a bad issue with drops late last season. And again, it wasn't like he couldn't catch. I wouldn't call it the yips because he was still finding a way to make some, you know, big time clutch catches in the playoffs. But he, he for the most part, I thought had a drop issue. He was getting all of his injuries were different. He had like three or four different injuries last year, which, you know, I won't knock a guy for. Mike's been banged up before too for certain seasons, still finds a way to get to one K, but that's a separate conversation. I just, for me with Chris Godwin, the big thing out of two seasons ago, which was his monster year where he came onto the map. Everybody was like, he's a top 10 receiver. Oh my God. Tampa's got two of them with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Well, the big thing was, can he do it two years in a row and bluntly put, he didn't do it. And there's a lot of factors in that, but because he didn't do it two years in a row, I just don't have enough faith built up through his career yet to say that Chris Godwin is just this monster of a man, at least the guy that's gonna take over the wide receiver one spot or the best receiver on the uh team role over Mike Evans yet.
0: Well, first of all, you disrespected him a little bit. So I just want to make that <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make that just a little bit. I mean come on just a little, just a hey, little bit. But hey, listen first Josh, we appreciate the five dollar super chat man it means a lot. You're always contributed and we definitely appreciate that and recognize that Josh Q is the man. Um but uh, come on like Chris Godwin was unbelievably productive for the fact that he missed like over four games of actual playing time this season. And like, I know that the injuries have to maybe be taken into account because he's missed some time too. Evans has too. And I give him credit for that. You know, like I said, Godwin's role is a little bit different in this offense. So he might never be the yards per catch guy, but Godwin had five drops in one game against Washington. The only game in his career that's looked anything even remotely close to that. And he still had less drops on the season than Mike Evans had. So it's still like kind of a, okay, there's a give and take here. Like, where I I do recognize that Godwin, if he had caught those balls against Washington, we might not be having the same conversation because of how psychology works for people. Like if he had caught those balls in that game and put up 200 yards, which he was capable in that game and probably caught the touchdown before the half against the Saints, no doubt, I don't know if you want to call it yips or whatever, no doubt he disappointed over those six quarters, no question, came back, obviously played great against Green Bay was a big reason Mm -hmm. why they won. And and, you you could go on and on about the, the game to game comparison, I think Godwin's an elite receiver in the NFL. I think he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I understand the argument for Mike Evans for sure. But to me, the biggest thing with Godwin, you are getting a better yards after catch guy than Mike Evans. I think that is big. That is a big part of receiving that goes unnoticed to me too often is that when a guy gets the ball in his hands, he is maximizing every opportunity he has with the ball in his hands. Godwin a year ago was the best receiver in the league in terms of when he had the 1,300-yard season, he was the best receiver in the league with the ball in his hands after the catch. Picked up the more yards per catch after the catch than any other receiver in the league. Crazy numbers. He was good and productive in that way last year, I think, as the offense comes back to kind of a comprehensive, cohesive group, you know, where everybody is on the same page more often. That will be the case again more often for him, and he'll get more touches like that. The other thing about Chris Godwin that, to me, is he is better at than Mike Evans, period. He is a better contested catch receiver than Mike Evans. The How can you say that? It, the numbers back it up too. How can you two. say that? The tape shows it too, Zach. The John, numbers. I don't open. care what
1: numbers you have. If you're Look telling me. Look at the me, percentages. You're telling me that Brady's throwing a ball to win the Super Bowl and whoever is going to catch it is going to have it highly contested. You're telling me here yes. live that you would yes. take Godwin over Evans in a contested. Yes, Zach Godwin. No, yes. No, you because here it's
0: not about just about size although godwin is plenty big too godwin has the better sense of timing the more consistent sense of timing for attacking the ball in the air and he has better hands than mike evans those are the two huge traits when you're talking about contested catches look at their contested catch rates i'll pull them up for you godwin is the godwin there is literally a strong argument over the last three seasons of his career the Godwin is the best contested catch receiver in the league because he has the volume of opportunity and he has the percentages in his favor to him. How often he finishes. Now there are different types of contested catches. There's jump balls, just high pointing them down the field. There's also contested catches at 10, 15 yards with a dude running through your back, trying to reach around you to make the catch. And you're finishing in those windows that, you know, are like this, you can't even see the ball, you know? And so he is kind of both, both worlds, right? Like you remember the game last year, the Falcons game. Evans goes down. I mean, Godwin just goes off. He's going high, pointing the ball over dudes. I mean, late in the game, he took a ball away from a linebacker and covers it near the end zone. Late in the game, he beat the safety in the corner for the jump ball. You remember the Green Bay game, middle of the field. He's going up, making a play on the ball uh, for the huge game right before the Leonard touchdown. Those are the kind of plays he brings to the table that I just think, to me, like that area of his game gives him another advantage.
1: I I think that obviously there's a lot to back up that point. And again, you can make an argument for any of these guys that's successful for me. My, my questions with Godwin aren't so much physical. They're not so much talent because we have seen it. And yeah. again, a big thing is seeing it be consistent. I think it's mental for me. And I'm not saying that he's, I'm not going to go as far as to say he's like weak mentally, or he's not focused in games. Cause I don't think that that's the case. I do think he could be sharper though. And I think that's why he had that game where he had a bunch of drops. You know, I think I don't know how last year's impact is going to help or hurt him. I mean, we see guys struggle in a season, John, and then the next season they come back and they're just never that guy again. We've right. seen it throughout the, the the NFL forever happen with really good receivers before. So I, I hope that – that's not the case. I wouldn't bet on that to be the case, but just like two years ago, we said, we got to see Godwin do it again. Well, now it's, we got to see if he can bounce back. We expected him to do it again last year. He didn't do so because of a lot of the injuries and other factors. Well, okay. We expect him to bounce back this year. I do too. But again, I got to see it. And right now the biggest question mark is if mentally he's going to be prepped and ready to roll in a way that he can accomplish the things that his talent and body it definitely can do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean the consistency thing is an argument, you know, if we're talking about who's had the better career, there's no question. I'm, Evans is the answer there. That's not even debatable. But, you know, if we're talking about who's who I'd rather have going into 2021, we're obviously splitting hairs. Either of us are pulling each other, if we say we're not splitting hairs. But I just feel like I'd rather have the more well-rounded guy. But this is all outside of the context of the fact that Antonio Brown is on this team. Like regardless of where you consider him that is ridiculous zach like he's what the, the hardest
1: world? one to figure out though i mean if yeah. you're ranking these guys again you can make an argument for any three john and and mm-hmm. i i certainly am alongside you and watching ab this preseason and in training camp more so the camp stuff go wild i mean him and brady have just been it's looked like they've played together for 20 years to be honest right. the way that their chemistry works you would think that they were teammates for longer than a half a season last year and one game in new england you would think right. that they have been best friends for life um and there's a lot to like about that right and it, obviously with ab i think if we're going to talk about him it's only fair to say okay we're going to remove the off the field stuff and we're going to assume he doesn't do anything that screws up his ability to stay on the field by doing something dumb off of it because that's the only way to have this conversation in a fair way but right. with that being said when it comes to AB. I think, you know, if we're giving guys gold stars for what they do better than the others, his footwork is is unrivaled. I mean, he's a guy, you know, toe tap Tony over there that just does it differently. But he's also the oldest, right? He's also a guy I want to give Chris Godwin trouble for not doing it two years in a row. Well, AB, you know, it's been 2018 since he's had the last full season of really strong elite receiver work. So there's a lot I think that we can feel good about when it comes to AB. The other thing is, is he a guy that can like bide his time? You know, that we know once he has the ball in his hands, and I know you're going to go back to that argument of when he has it in the open field, he's as good as anybody. He can move around, he can do all that. Absolutely. But is he a guy who, if hasn't, he hasn't gotten a target and we're into the fourth quarter and Brady's seeing the other two guys, maybe somebody's hurt, maybe something happens, and he's like, I got to go AB five times in a row. Is AB going to be pouting? Is he going to be ready to roll in the fourth quarter? And even though that's in a way kind of like his personality, and I said we would keep that off the table, that's in-game. That could sure. affect him. so
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's a fair point. I will say this. When AB was in Pittsburgh, that was never a thing. Like, he didn't pout in games. Nothing. It didn't matter. Like it just never happened. It didn't happen. You know, maybe outside of that, not that we know about, right. But like, I never watched him on table. It's like, wow, is he going 110%? Like he is every rep all out all the time, period. He's a unique individual. He's not like a all encompassing, your locker room, on field. Poison. They like, built it
1: around him, though. His target yeah, like, share was heavy right, in Pittsburgh. Right, so we've never.
0: So yeah, and plus a lot's happened in his life since then. So I don't know what got you know. We could not get the same person. I you know I won't. I don't know. I will have to see. It's a fair point. The other thing is that like he kind of knows the situation he's going into. Like he, he knows who Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are. Juju, maybe that sneaks up on you, but like you know you're going to play with a couple of ballers, and you got Gronk there, like you know you're probably a little more prepared to go into the fourth quarter and not be like wow i only have one catch like you're probably like all right i could only have one catch going to fourth quarter like it's just but i'll say this too Mm. if ab is ab and like i don't know you're right the last 2019 was the one game and he looked great and then he didn't put you know 20 was half the season and then he came back he's learning the offense and then i mean when he got opportunities like he and he knew some of the offense he still looked absurd i I don't know, man. I mean, like, if he's AB and there hasn't been any drop off, I'm sorry to all these guys, but like AB, like when we last saw him on the field, was better than Mike Evans or Chris Godwin have ever been. And so when we last saw him, like for real, on the field in Pittsburgh, like for real, knew, that was no years one ago, does. though. I You're, mean, that
1: we're talking about so, Godwin bouncing back after a, a rough season. AB, right. we're talking about bouncing back after longer than that.
0: But doesn't he look unreal? Like.
1: He does so far. Well, we got to
0: see, you know, we got to so see. He gets see, but... hit a
1: few times if he's yeah. able to hold up. Look, and I saw this earlier. I don't even know how I came across this. Do you know Des Bryant is younger than AB? Like that just puts it to me it into perspective. Like Antonio Brown is not this like younger dude or some dude that's like still at the end of his prime. Like he's on the other side and he's still very good. He's very effective. I even think you could say that he's still elite. And listen, in terms, I know you're about to go into fantasy football after our conversation, as far as value goes for these Bucks receivers, you're not going to get better value than AB later in drafts. Bro, I've circled him on pretty much every draft I've been in and will be in for fantasy because of the value of what he brings in, in the comparison to him and Evans and Godwin. That being said, there are some things I'm concerned about that it, after a few games, like I don't know. It's one thing to just bounce back after having some time off only playing half a season, but at the age that he's at, like – he's less likely for his body to hold up the way that the other two guys are just from age alone. So I think with AB, there's a lot of optimism, uh, probably more than there's been with him since, since he's left Pittsburgh in any capacity. But with that being said, if you're comparing him to Evans and Godwin, I mean, I think your argument for Godwin is very applicable to AB. And I like Godwin on the field more than AB right now. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think that your
0: reservations about AB are fair But I will say that most of your reservations are also like, we just don't know. And that's true. But what we do know is that when AB is on the field, whole buddy, like when when he's AB, like it's, I mean, there's nothing really that AB can't do on the field. Like there's no, I've never put any weakness or limitation on him, watching him for years and years and studying basically every game he's played in like contested catches, dude's unbelievable at him. Like finishes through contact, like bigger receivers do all the time. Uh, just knows how to use his body knows how to shield strength and concentration are unreal constantly embarrass bigger corners to the point where teams wouldn't even, they thought for a while that was the way it just, it wasn't like you can't put a bigger corner on him. It's like he shreds them all. Oh so, Yeah. Cause he'll
1: find a way to get open. I mean, I yeah. bro, since he's gotten into the league and again, not, not to go all the way back to his time in Pittsburgh, but you talk about Mike Evans being a better route runner than he gets credit for Godwin's a very good route runner in my life at his peak, I've never seen a better route runner than AB in my life. Like he, yeah. the way he cuts on the dime and he just slices and dices. And he's been that way since he got into the league. So that right. wasn't something he learned. Like he was doing that at central Michigan. We just didn't know it because who watches Chippewa football, you know? Right. So, I mean, I, I, love what AB brings as a player. I think even at his age, he still has a lot of, a lot of gas left left in the tank, but can he beat? cause he was hands down the best receiver in football for sure. years. Yeah. I don't think he's on that level. The crazy thing is, John, even if he's dropped from that level, okay, so he's not the hands-down best receiver in the league mm-hmm. anymore. Even a level lower than that, he's still a top-ten receiver. So mm-hmm. that's why we're able to have this conversation. Obviously, we're talking with Zach Blobner here from uh, 620 WDAE
0: and getting his perspective and his opinions on a lot of these other uh, box wide receivers. We've had this debate many times. It is a fun debate because it doesn't really matter. All three of these guys are awesome, uh, and we're going to have Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy joining us in just a couple minutes. He's going to break down and talk a little bit about what fantasy projections look like for these guys this season. Yeah, the AB conversation never gets old because it's this. It could be this. You know, obviously, I'm awesome. I'm glad he's in Tampa Bay. It's awesome. You know, it makes 100%. for a very fun storylines and, 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 you know, and, uh, and stuff on the field. But yeah. I will say this, if A.B. were somewhere else as a true number one first option in an offense, I would be very curious to see how the season would go, because I think there could still be numbers that he would put up there. So gets into a lot of different angles of this, a lot of different discussions. Before I let you go, Zach, who leads the Bucks
1: this year in receptions? I'm going to go with Mike Evans again. I mean, he led them last year. I think, you know, Godwin, A, B, Scotty Miller are really going to split a lot of those slot uh, throws from Brady and the underneath stuff. Um, I I just, I think Mike is going to always be his go-to guy for first downs and for touchdowns. And not that he'll always be the guy he throws to, but he's going to be option one, read one on a lot of those plays.
0: So if he leads, if Mike Evans leads the team in catches, he probably leads the team in yards in your opinion, right? where Godwin <laughs> can lead the team in catches, but not maybe not necessarily yards. Yeah, I, I,
1: I think that there's no way really around that. I do think Godwin, not AB, will be a lot closer mm-hmm. in yards, even though I think he's going to have, you know, a significant amount of less catches. I think, as you talked about, he does a lot more in the open field with them. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, again, with the exception of those first down plays where you're, you need it, like, third and, you know, six, yeah. whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Godwin's the guy that inches him down the field, right? For the most part, like from the 20 to the 20, Godwin is going to be one of their go-to guys, assuming we're not talking about the deep balls. Yeah, for
0: sure. Okay. And so then Evans leads the team in touchdowns too. In your Yeah,
1: 100%. Right. Okay. 100%. All
0: right. All right. There you go. Mike Evans all the way. Catches, yards, touchdowns. We'll see what Josh Norris has to say from <laughs> Underdog Fantasy next. Zach Blobner, man, thanks for joining us. This is a long time coming. This was fun. I'm glad you jumped in here and got the people all riled up. With your takes, I'm excited about it. Now we'll see if Josh can calm him back down or if he sends <laughs> things spinning out of control as well. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Um, all right, we got Josh Norris in the house. What's up, man? Fantasy.
2: Not too much, buddy. How are you? Long time no chat. Hope things yeah. are good on your end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Talking talking Bucks wide receivers and projections for the team this year. Obviously, out of all the teams that I know you look at and cover right now it's probably they're probably on the top of the list for most challenging for a fantasy analyst i, so. I have
2: so many questions to ask you john because oh, to ask me, okay let's as do it. and this is what i like to do you know when i when i come on these shows i try to piece together things from like a 32 team lens mm-hmm. but then you're so close to it and you know like what they want to be heading in to 2021 and so that Can answer a lot of questions for me? So here we go. I mean, last year, it was a tale of two halves, like a post-by new season for Tom Brady and this offense. I mean, before, it was almost 40 attempts per game, 275 yards, and 2.3 touchdowns per contest. Then afterwards, you drop by about five attempts per game, up over 60 yards, three touchdowns per game. And we know that, like, one, this is a really freaking good roster. They're able to stay intact with those 22 starters. So like, how do you expect this offense to unfold? And I'm sure your your audience hears it all the time, but I want to hear it with my ears because as we've seen, like really the last two years of his career, if things aren't working out with the running game where they're moving the chains to his own liking, Tom is like, Hey, I'm going to take this responsibility, throw at a high neutral pass rate and move the chains myself. Is that still possible even with all starters returning?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think that it is still possible for them. And Bruce will obviously opt for that as well. As soon as things get frustrating for either of those guys, they're just ready to let it rip. And so it's saved them from having a pretty weak run game uh, most of the time to be able to go heavy pass uh, when they need to. But yeah, I mean, this is a team that's certainly built to win that way. Their line is better in pass protection than it is in the run game, I believe. Their scheme is better in the pass game than it is in the run game. Uh, just obviously the talent they have a receiver and tight end and, and now adding Giovanni Bernard to the mix as well it certainly works that way the question is really like who is going to be who's going to produce in what way in this offense yeah and I don't know I want to know what your thoughts are too and feel free to fire anything my way as well but like do, I mean I think some ways we're kind of overthinking it like everybody's like oh A.B. and Tom have this amazing connection because they played a couple games and they played a game in New England together and it was good. And that's true. I'm not denying that they have a good connection, no question about it. But I don't think Brady attaches himself to any one person. Like I think he just totally. throws the scheme, he throws what's open. And who. And if the offense is, isn't built around any one person, and Tampa Bay certainly is not, uh, I think that anybody could get the ball.
2: And to your point, it's not often when Tom Brady can go into a season like last year, having the likes of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I'm sure. You know, mm-hmm. the latter missed some games and then sprinkling in Antonio Brown for eight games and, and four starts last season. I'm with you. I mean, I think what is bankable is another thousand yards for Mike Evans because he started with seven straight of those seasons in his career, which is absolute lunacy. That's something like us at large don't talk about as often. And even it didn't look like he was going to get it last year. Uh, and And in those what first six weeks, he was really carried by touchdowns, had some one score yeah. games, had some two score games. Um, i'm excited to see what chris godwin can do because mm-hmm. just 84 targets last year 65 yards again just 12 games played if we get a healthy you know 17 games from chris godwin we saw that in just a role that has put up so much production with mm-hmm. tom Brady in the past I, I think to your point and by the way both of those guys on underdog are being selected like they are locked in legitimate starters for you each and every week because mike evans is being drafted as the 16th overall wide receiver chris godwin yeah. just a few spots later at wide receiver 18. Antonio Brown is the one that it can go in two different directions. And I know you right. guys were talking about this beforehand, but at wide receiver 34, that's where Hayden, my co-host, has him. I'm a little bit later than that just mm-hmm. because I, I find it so I mean this defense is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that they're gonna be in control more often this season than they were last year mm-hmm. of of the pace and game scripts. So I just don't know if they have like the will or the want to to have three 1000 yard wide receivers. It's a good point, man. And it just makes me realize how much goes into your job. Like it is
0: it's incredible to me how many different things you have to think through in your job, especially when it comes to a roster like the Bucs. I mean, some rosters, I'm sure it's easy to look at. And, oh, Devontae Adams is probably going to go off this year. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, but like a roster like the Bucks, because you have to think about, do have to think about the defense and the fact that the NFC is kind of weaker as a whole. And so how many of these games will they be the NFC South? I mean, that's six of your weaker. games. Like, I mean, are are they going to be in control of most of those games? Yeah, we don't want to count any chickens <laughs> for hatching, but like, yeah, that's what it seems like, right? That they're going to be kind of at a point where they, you're right, they might be trotting out 12 personnel, you know, in the fourth quarter, and they might not use three wide receiver sets. And and so- dude, the
2: defense can be even better this year, as you know. Like mm-hmm. Vita Vea healthy for an entire year, you bring in what Joe Joe Tryon to be a pass rusher on the outside and take some of the snaps away from JPP. I mentioned all of that with all those wide receivers. The other part is I want nothing to do of where all the running backs are going, and maybe your audience is going to hate me for no, saying this. So. <laughs> but but but, but I, I just don't think that there's really a ceiling for any of them. And if there is for one, let me know. But like Ronald Jones is going as, as running back 34. That's like a dead area where I don't want to take a lot of running backs. Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. as running back 40. And to mm-hmm. me, I won't put words in your mouth, but to me he is just like a volume – Accumulator, that's like a below adequate player. Sorry, playoff, Lenny, but like that's just what it is. And then what we see in the passing game, at least what I saw last year, is every single time he was forced to throw the ball to Keyshawn Vaughn or Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette, he hated his life. Tom Brady did, mm. and so that that's why you bring in someone who truly seems like in those prime passing downs, yeah, that's his only role in, in Giovanni Bernard. And I guess John to to the final point is love the wide receivers. Don't like the running back. Guess what? I just want to draft a bunch of Tom Brady at quarterback nine overall, and just call it a day, and have pieces in all of them. You know, yeah,
0: because you've then you've got a little bit of production where no matter who pro- contributes, I mean, that's that's definitely the smart play. So I'm got, glad you brought that up. I did want to touch on Brady, and you know, but I do want to come back to the running back conversation just for a minute because, of course, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, uh, I and Bucks fans are probably you know riled up in the mentions already. They don't like when I get after Leonard, but I mean, it just is what it is. Like. Leonard for most of the year. I mean, he's a healthy scratch going into that Minnesota game, and Randall Jones got COVID and got the finger, and all the injuries mounted up for him. And so it was Leonard's job. And you know, to his credit, he did do some things a little bit better in the playoffs—a run here and there that, that that you know got on some highlight reels. And they were honestly way better than any of the runs I'd seen. I didn't really know he had yeah. that in him. And so you know, maybe you can give him 300 touches to find those three or four plays again. But uh, ooh, and are you trying to do that in this offense? Like. Every time he touches the ball, you're giving the ball to the tenth most talented dude on the like uh, that actually plays, and that's just not that. I mean, just at the simplest base form, like that's just not good football, good snap allocation.
2: I think that's a great way of putting it. That this team is so good that if like this is the weakest element of their offense mm-hmm. is is the running back spot. Now, I would argue that's one area of it that has been improved since last mm-hmm. season, and that's Giovanni Bernard. We we joke, and this is fitting that I'm going to do it on this show. But the winner of Best Ball Mini Two on Underdog wins a million dollars. That's more money than Giovanni Bernard's gonna make this season. <laughs> so if one of you out there can make more than Gio right. this year. If you use promo code pewter down below, you get mm-hmm. 25 free bucks straight out of Hayden's pocket. Just skip the guacamole and invest in underdog instead. And again, there you go. can make more money this year than, That's great. than Geo. Um, but yeah, it, again, it just makes me want to have tentacles in all of it. And 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 that mm-hmm. is Tom Brady. And it's it's interesting. He was Going around like the quarterback 10, quarterback 11, I think so many people are just confident and comfortable with him right now in this offense that he is after that top five, which I won't name them, but it ranges from Patrick Mahomes to Dak Prescott. Then there's the Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and now Aaron Rodgers tier. And Tom Brady is ahead of all those ro- rookies and ahead of like the movable quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's totally fine, despite us in fantasy land loving you know the, the rushing production from quarterbacks mm-hmm. tom Brady is so bankable in this offense that i love mm-hmm. that sweet spot of the air of the draft for him.
0: especially because arians and you know he's going to throw the ball no matter what he says or how much running backs he talks up or we want to be able to run the ball we want to or how many times he comes out running the ball on every first down at a 12 13 personnel or you know you know at the end of the game he's going to be airing it out and winging it and they've or he's another one that's thrown as i'm sure you know he with the lead before like he doesn't necessarily back down that much totally. that way help some guys eventually too. But uh, th- with the running back group, I saw, I think, is Giovanni Bernard 49 or is he like 49th for you? I uh, will pull it up. Yeah, so I he's mean, not he is, he's running back 50
2: lineup. right now, but that's right around like other players of his type. Like Jaden McKissick is running back 49. David Johnson, and I mean, look, if you're going to invest in the passing game back on one team, I would much rather it be a team that's going to win games and put up points on the board in Giovanni Bernard versus – the freaking Houston Texans at yeah at, at running back 51. Yeah, but he's he's right around that area of of also types that we call running back insurance of like if their starter goes down and mm-hmm. they can be, you know, big time top running back names like Alexander Madison and then Darrington Evans and, and mm-hmm. a few others, Rashad Penny, yeah. so on and so forth. So that's the area where Gio's yeah. going right now. He's the one guy that I might say
0: ah, it's so could hard, exceed right? his value.
2: I, mean, I he think he could.
0: I, I, I think they see him, Josh, and they think – remember, there's half these dudes are from the Cardinals. They had David Johnson. Yeah. They remember – they know what that looks like, right? And Harold Goodwin today actually said it. I was planning on talking about this anyway, but I just saw the quotes 10 minutes before we went on air. And Harold Goodwin literally said, like, we get him in our – and we think about some of the things David Johnson did for us in Arizona and the ways that we used him. And that's what's happened in practice. They have put him in the slot. Every red zone snap, he's on the field. He's playing in the slot. He's playing out wide. There are so many plays they've drawn up for him in that area of the field. I don't, here's my thing I think the frustration with Ronald Jones has bubbled through for three straight years. He is the most talented runner on the team. There's no question about it. There's no comparison between him and Leonard in my mind. But I think that Rojo messes up enough stuff pass protection, <laughs> knowing where to be in, in as a receiver and dropping the football that like, I think there's this, eventually you get a little bit worn down with them. And I think that's why Leonard played late in the year, because even though Leonard wasn't great, he was just a little safer than Rojo. And I'm not even sure that's true, given the way they have played in training camp. Rojo has been kind of all around better. uh, And Leonard has never been a good pass protector either. And then on the other side of it, Josh, you've got like one of the best receiving backs in the league and maybe the best pass protecting back in the league. And you have a head coach who loves to throw the football. And so- I just wonder if it, when push comes to shove, if G, if Arians is going to be like, get these guys out of here and give me the guy who I know can play.
2: And at least we know he has that role. Like, that's what you are, are drafting mm-hmm. him to do. And with the other two, with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, it could be like Ronald Jones against the Panthers, who has a huge yeah. day. Or Leonard Fournette in the playoffs, who then has a huge day. And you mentioning red zone work for for geo makes sense to me because i remember back to james white territory and rex burkhead territory with him in new england and like that they, they use that as well i'm also looking at like geo's past and it's long because you know he's on his age what like 30 season yep. but 59 targets 43 targets 48 targets 60 targets that there's something that i know underdog is half point ppr but like if your listeners at home are playing full point ppr mm-hmm. i would even draft Geo uh, ahead of his, his running back 50 ADP right now and who knows like he's barely run the ball as of late because I think you and I can both say that Joe Mixon is an mm-hmm. unreal talent in terms of running the football and like mm-hmm. they had clearly defined roles up there as well yeah. he got 416 yards last year in 2017 another time when he had over 100 carries it was 458 yards I mean maybe there is an alternate universe where Giovanni Bernard might also be the best runner on the team as well the,
0: you're not far off I mean he listen they were getting into the nitty gritty here, but I actually talked about this with Matt Wallman, who I know a mutual friend of both of ours on his show the other day. And I was saying about Giovanni Bernard, he is kind of such a hit the gas and get up field type of guy. And, and he sees it, and he's just decisive. He's hardly ever behind the line of scrimmage very long. And with Leonard, it just takes longer for him to make every cut. So the Bucks have this duo run scheme, right? Where you're reading the mic and you're trying to make a, probably one of two cuts. And how quickly you make that decision and how quickly you get to that decision and get upfield is a big part of, of the game. And so people sometimes think, Oh, you know, a do a scheme with doubles. Like we're going to get us a power back to smash through those creases. I think speed is in low center gravity is way more important for that. Like you're getting, you're talking about accelerating through tiny creases off double teams in a split second while you've got that guy out of position before he can recover. I think Leonard's just a bad fit in the scheme, to be honest with you, on top of his own limitations where Rojo's a better fit in the scheme but the other stuff takes him off the field and geo geo <laughs> just mashes the gas and gets you know and so it might not be great no and he's never going to break a bunch of tackles but you right. will never be rojo as a runner but i just again i just wonder if they get worn down by the other guys so the whole bucks running back situation is definitely fascinating uh you're probably right in that I don't want to touch any of these guys necessarily unless they were way down the the league. Now, the the great thing is with underdog fantasy, for those who don't know, the best ball leagues are incredible because there's no defense. There's no uh, special teams. no kicker and anything like that. You're drafting quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. That's what you're drafting. You get to draft some of your
2: favorites as well. And best ball, if none of you have played it ever before, there's no waivers. There's no trades. It's just the best part of fantasy football. It's just the draft. Mm -hmm. and your optimal lineup is set each and every week after all the scores are in. So, like, if you forgot to put Marquez Veda-Scantling in your lineup or it's, like, so difficult to predict when the Deshaun Jackson spiked week is coming based on coverages, based on defenses, if you draft those guys late a K.J. Hamler and he Mm -hmm. goes off for two touchdowns against an awful defense and Teddy decides to throw deep that week, Mm -hmm. guess what? That 21-point week is is on your roster. So it, like, takes all the headaches away, and whoever has the best draft, wins your league in the end.
0: And we've probably got. Five, I think we've got. We're completing leagues four, three, four, and five right now. Are almost done. Their signups are all in. People just have to hit the link and finish nice. signing up. So check your email for those underdog fantasy leagues. By the way, if you've told me, if you've emailed me, and you're listening to the pod, and you've told me you want to be in on those underdog fantasy leagues, I've sent you a link. I'm sure, and you've got an opportunity to jump in and join one of those leagues. So do that, so you can get signed up. Use that promo code pewter p e w t r. Get the twenty five dollars in credit. The fifty dollar league invites went out today league. And so we're going to have signups for that. Everybody that I already sent that link to, you're all going to be in. If you are interested in doing another $50 buy-in league with underdog fantasy, again, you get $25 of credit when you sign up for that promo code pewter for this P-E-W-T-E-R. So if you're interested in another $50 league like that, we filled one like in seconds. So if you're interested in jumping in one of those, Email me, John J O N at Pewterreport.com. We'll fill up another one of those bad boys. You can take all Scott Reynolds money. It'll be great. Uh, so just let me know. Email me John J-O-N at Pewterreport.com.
2: I'll add something. If you all have like that one or two home leagues that you care most about mm. with college buddies, office league, whatever it is, there's no better way to prepare for it. Skip those freaking mock drafts that you use yeah. and and go and try it on underdog because what you're gonna be able to do. Is like see okay this roster construction that I take Dalvin Cook at the one hundred and two is so different than when I double up on Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins at the one hundred and eleven. You just get to test all these different constructions and see where all the mm-hmm. ADPs fall. It really is the best way to me to prepare for that one home league that you care most about. And there are leagues for like three bucks, five bucks, ten bucks. There's all across the spectrum for sure. Right.
0: So let me ask you this before we uh, let you go and get you out yeah, of here if you have, if you're you're on the board and you need a whiteout, let's just say and let's say mm-hmm. other. Spots in your roster. Are good. What are you doing? Are you taking, I think we know Antonio Brown is even though we might think he's the most talented still of the three, it's hard for them to say, Oh, Mike Evans, you're going to have a lesser role this season. <laughs> Chris Godwin, you're going to have a lesser role this season. You know, that's probably not going to happen no matter how good AB is because those guys will still be good. And so if you have the choice between Evans or Godwin, how I know I see what underdogs rankings are, think Godwin yep. or Edmonds is two spots ahead of Godwin do you like feel confident smashing draft on Mike Evans and leaving Chris Godwin on the board? Or are you, man, I don't know, like Godwin catches per game. I know the slot know. receiver to Bruce Aaron's off. Cor- correct me if
2: I'm wrong. And we, we talked about the games missed by Chris Godwin. It wasn't a clean season for Mike Evans either. I mean, he no. dealt with with injuries at the start of the year. Like both of these pass catchers dealt with Adversity. Yep. I didn't
0: playing a couple of games hurt first a couple of weeks of the season, he was hurt. Then right? he played and in they
2: got hurt in the week 17 game against Atlanta where Godwin and A B went off. And so he was still hitting value like based on touchdowns alone. I think there were some games that was like one yeah. catch for two yards and yes. a score, and like that's <laughs> that got home. Yeah. Um, um, I truly believe that we might look back in like four or five years, maybe six, seven, and think Mike Evans is like one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL during mm-hmm. this era. Like this, this decade, just mm-hmm. that sustained excellence mm-hmm. is absolutely mad. Of seven straight seasons mm-hmm. of of one thousand yards, and that that's tough for me to pass. Um, again, it's not even like you're spending a top fifteen wide receiver pick on him, a top ten wide receiver pick on him. Like a couple names going ahead of him are Robert Woods, or Tyler Lockett, or Amari Cooper. I mean, Amari Cooper and Tyler Lockett, love them as players. But well, they can give you considerable headway, headaches week mm. in and week out. Sure. And so just the consistency that Mike Evans brings, and hopefully we get a clean season out of him. I, I think he'd be the one I'm going to slot.
0: Just because even when you know, if you're not getting yardage in a game, you might get it, you're probably going to touchdown. Like it's not, he's not dealing you up a blank slate very often for sure. Yeah. That's it's a good way to look at it for sure. There is this temptation with Godwin because three years, right? Last three years, he's really been an integral part of the offense. Obviously, last year, you know, catches per game, I believe he was on top you know he played really le- he listed at 12 but two yeah. of those games went out of early so i mean i don't he probably wasn't even at actual whatever you know 12 times four number of quarters played um you know in terms of the amount of time he spent on the field last season that's 48 yeah so yeah i think that he, yeah thank <laughs> you hey listen we do we sports media man like i'm not trying to work harder than i have to here josh <laughs> but yeah uh-huh. no so i think with godwin it's that He's going to be on the field all the time. When you go with one wide receiver, he's going to be the guy on the field, you know, so there's that productivity. You're going to get lots of snaps with him, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, as good as Godwin is in the red zone, you're talking about maybe the one of the few guys that's better, you know, what, seven, nine, seven touchdowns for Godwin the last three years. And Evans has still managed to top that. Uh, he broken his own franchise record uh, twice now. So, I mean, it's uh, yeah, he's one of those players that you definitely take to the bank real quick, tight end situation for the Bucks. What do you make of it? Do you have any confidence left in OJ Howard? I know Bucks fans don't.
2: I mean, so many tight ends, you know, this from tracking it through the draft too. hit their stride on their second team or, or their second contract. I kind of feel like that's where we're headed with the OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, whoever else, and David and Joku draft class. Yeah. You know, um, I guess my concern, I mean, the one obviously who's being drafted the highest right now is Robert Kowski at tight end 18. I know he feels a lot better, but part of me thinks that, I mean, this is a narrative I'm buying into, but look, it would be a travesty if the bucks don't make the playoffs and the difference that he made, like in those critical and crucial situations, do you really want to risk that through the entire season? Or do you just want to like save him for key moments Key games, especially towards the end of the year when this team can hopefully repeat mm-hmm. as Super Bowl champions. And so Titan 18, obviously the talent outweighs that conservative. He's only 29. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Like he's still in his 20s. I wish that was the case with me. You, who uh, are you talking
0: about? Gronk. Oh, Gronk. I don't think he's 29 years old. He's Is, is, he, is he
2: past his 30s? Yeah, he's past his 30s. I okay. think He's 33, I believe. Is he really? I,
0: believe, I think.
2: Maybe 32. Maybe 32. No, you're right. I'm way right. off on that. I'm way off on that. Anyways, with Gronk, tell me if I'm wrong. And like, that's a stupid narrative that I don't think he's going to be like a, a key piece each and every week. And that like, they might hold him really for like a playoff run. They might. I mean, here's the thing that makes Gronk, it, really the
0: whole thing tough with Gronk is that he is like light years beyond their next best blocker. For the life of me, I don't know why. Again, do a run scheme. Love to go max protect, love to keep their tight end in to protect. Why don't the Bucs have more tight ends that can block? They go into every year. I was like, get Mercedes Lewis last year. Like, get him as your third tight end. Like, get him as your fourth tight end. Like, just you know, he wants, he's old. He wants to be in a contender. He blocks like crazy. And then they just like, now nah, we're running back with OJ Howard and Cam Bray and Tanner Hudson and Cody Matt. None of those guys can block at all. So it, he's really the only one. So that makes it hard. I mean, OJ tries and he, coming out, He there was a thought that he could block, but. Last year was getting a little better than the Achilles. And then this year it's been terrible in camp and preseason. He hasn't been able to block anyone. So the the short answer to your question, Joss, is that if OJ Howard is ready to ball, then yes, I think that they'll split Gronk. I don't think they ever wanted him to play as much as he played last year. Yeah. But he held up great and actually got better as the year went on and right. played really, I mean, obviously the Super Bowl was a good game for him. And so... He's been kind of good across the board when they've needed him. Um, I you you obviously do more than look at the stats, so I'm sure you saw the tape last year and you saw how many times Rob Gronkowski actually got open last year and was missed at times last year. And you know that that production could have been a lot higher. I would be all in a Gronk at tight end eighteen, except for the fact Ooh. that it's been a really quiet camp for Gronk. I don't know whether that means anything because he's 32 and he gets veteran days off all the time and you know, he looks like he's in great shape for what it's worth. And he's still open all the time, um, but he's dropped some balls and maybe he's not a practice. Guy. I don't really know. Um, I just, we will see. He hasn't obviously preseason. They barely played. So Saturday will tell us
2: something. I mean, all your listeners and viewers know this, that like every year we think we can predict the late round tight end yeah. that is going to hit. Like last year, we all thought it was going to be Chris Herndon and that just freaking blew up in our faces. <laughs> up, yeah. Um, and it was Robert year, Tunyon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's so difficult to predict. Yeah. And like this year, a lot of people. It's Anthony Ferkser, who's going as like tight end twenty three, um, Hunter Henry at tight end twenty one, Jared Cook at tight end twenty, Adam Troutman at tight end seventeen. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is the the, the wily vet who arguably is the best tight end of all time in Robert yeah. and We shouldn't uh, overlook him. And the other thing with Gronk that you know you're getting right, you know you're getting red zone
0: snaps in production. Like there's the he will get concentrated targets in the red zone like he did last year. And honestly, they probably missed him two or three times for wide on Denver. I'm thinking he was wide on for touchdown Carolina, wide on for touchdown, missed him. Um so there's op- there's going to be lots of opportunities for him in the red area which makes him like kind of a in my mind like a good quiet, especially if he's in that 18 range like all right, like if you're going to wait out the tight end group like then maybe that's a guy that you try to play because red zone, he and Brady, that's one area where I'm not worried. Like I know there's going to be five or six touchdowns at least on the board, maybe eight, if he gets, you know, the, the you know, the volume goes in the red zone, it's always a, it's a max, but the, here's the other thing that's interesting about the bucks that I know you probably, you think about this stuff a lot, Josh, but that a lot of people might not know if they don't cover the team is that I have never been around a team that spends as much practice time in the red zone as Tampa Bay. Like they're just there all the time. They run the routes on air in the red zone. All their timing stuff is in the red zone. Like, all they do several red zone periods from the 20 in, from the 15 in, from the 10 in. They run through their plays, they're five in from two on the two. Like, they run everything in the red zone, every practice, multiple times of practice. I mean, I've been around some other teams, seen other practice periods for other teams. I covered the Steelers for years, so I know like watching them. I mean, there was like one seven shots period in the red zone, and that was like it for the, for most of practice the Bucks just spent a ton of time there and I think it's a reason why the touchdown production is pretty good there
2: it is they're above average like they were 11th in mm-hmm. red zone TD rate last mm-hmm. season so there's still some some area to grow yeah and staying in the division I, I think that that is going to be a huge difference for the Atlanta Falcons not saying they're going to be a good team but I think they can be a better offense mm-hmm. because you seriously go from a team that was 26th in red zone rate last year to Arthur Smith who is like a magician Mm-hmm. in that area. Oh my, in the last yeah. 2 years, he's been number 1 and number 2 in yep. in red zone touchdown right. Now it's different, you know, there's no Derrick Henry, <laughs> offensive line has changed, Brian Kelly versus Matt Ryan in that area. But still, you have Mike Davis who can break tackles at a really high rate. You have Kyle Pitts who can mm-hmm. be a monster in the red zone area. Calvin mm-hmm. Ridley is awesome there too and, and and Matt Ryan has, you know, won the MVP and been super productive in the mm-hmm. past. So those four-point plays, like seriously, scoring a touchdown instead of Mm -hmm. kicking a field goal, as much as putting points up on the board is is cool and good, uh, that can be a huge difference in game-winning scenarios. So, yeah, I I totally understand that, and I think that that's super smart. Where a team like, against the division, the Panthers were abysmal at it last year. I think it really dictated a lot of their moves this offseason in in signing Mm -hmm. Dana Arnold and drafting a Terrace Marshall as
0: well. Yeah, so the division, could come up clutch. Good points for sure. He is Josh Norris, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Twitter, at Josh Norris. Make sure you are checking out underdogfantasy.com. As Josh mentioned, not only do we have our awesome leagues that we're doing at pewterreport.com that I mentioned before you can email me about, but also you got to check out the tournaments on underdogfantasy.com. Some of these tournaments are amazing, like $5 entry to win the mil- in the Million Dollar Puppy League, Puppy 3, excuse me, uh, and then the Best Ball Mania 2, You're putting in $25, which again, you're getting with that promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and you can win a million. You can win more than Giovanni Bernard's going to make this season. So uh, make sure you jump in Best Ball Mania 2, the Puppy 3, Big Dog is another league they got going there for a $250 entry. Lots of opportunities to win money with underdog fantasy. Lots of opportunities to jump in that league. And you're going to want to make sure you've started an account there because it only takes a couple seconds. Yep. And one of the best parts about it is in the season, there's going to be opportunities for you to do stuff too. It's not just before the season, but they're going to have prop bets. Out the wazoo and we're going to be talking There's, about them all by the, the way show. they're
2: still going on right now with preseason games we got yes. preseason pick them going on so if you want a little sweat with some tampa bay <laughs> preseason action you know Get on there. go saturday try it out night. over there go try, <laughs> try it try out it. over there
0: i only absolutely crazy people put money on the line for preseason games but there are people like that in this chat right now yes there you go josh and they're going to put money on stuff going down saturday especially with the buck starters probably playing that first half so Get in there, check out those pick-ems that are going down as related to the Bucs for Saturday night and other uh, football teams or other NFL teams as well this weekend. Josh, man, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate you giving the time and the insight. This was a lot of fun. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. Absolutely. Yep. Take care of yourself. Uh, There goes Josh Norris, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate him jumping onto the show and running us through some of his fantasy thoughts. On the box, Lots of good insight from him. He is one of the most detailed, hardest workers in the entire fantasy football industry. So we're blessed to be able to have him on the show and be a part of what we're doing. We're very excited because if you haven't heard about it yet, the Pewter Report game day show is happening. So make sure you check us out. The game day show between the Bucks and the Texans is going to be going live Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're right here on Pewter Report podcast stream. If you don't subscribe to the Pewter Report podcast, go Hit the subscribe button on Pewter Report TV on YouTube. We're well up over 5,000 now. We're gearing our way toward 10,000 subscribers. Y'all are awesome. You're spreading the word like crazy, and buck season is around the corner. So hit that subscribe button. See when we go live by hitting the bell for the notifications. You'll get notified when we go live. Your choice still, whether to jump in or not. But at least you know you won't miss anything when we go live. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Pewter game day, though, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We are going to have a live in-game stream going here it's going to be on pewterreport.com so watch it live over there at pewterreport.com and we're going to have commentary from myself on the game as it's happening so if you followed along with my tweets in the past before less on twitter more on the show is going to be my commentary my thoughts as the game's going on things I think they need to do better, things that might be concerns moving forward in the game, things of that nature. Other Pewter reporters will jump in as well. We'll have special guests on from time to time. already confirmed with a couple names. I know you're going to be very excited to see be a part of the show. It's going to be entry updates and expert analysis. You're going to have X's and O's. You're going to have analytics talk. We're going to figure this thing out as we go. This is new for us too. And there'll be some bumps in the road and We'll need your all grace while we deal through work through that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the Peter Report Pod Game Podcast, post game podcast is going to be about an hour after the game ends. We'll have that too once we get through coaches' availability and players' availability and all that. So make sure that you are kind of following along with everything going on at PeterReport.com for those Peter game days because it's going to be a blast. We're going to have so much fun with those shows, and I'm very, very excited to see uh, what y'all have to say about them as we work our way through those. So the first one is 8 p.m. Eastern on saturday as the bucks take on the texans very excited to get to that for y'all that'll be the next time you see us here on the podcast stream that will be live streamed on peterreport.com and if you're worried about the oh how's the timing going to work with saturday with are am i going to be ahead of you or you am i going to be ruining plays for you i really don't think that will be the case because i'll be watching on youtube tv and that's usually a little bit behind cable tv or at the same time as um other uh, online tv uh services so we'll see how it works and we'll kind of adapt from that. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. So make sure you join us Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live on the show. Until then, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out.